Perception. Perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. Some talk shows think all of their opinions are right. This one, this one knows they are. This is Perception is Reality. Christopher H. Bilbury is a no-nonsense, well, maybe a little bit of nonsense, political activist, local government watchdog, and all-around good Hoosier and God-fearing American citizen. Is this guy for real? Holding lawmakers accountable and educating citizens on the importance of participating in their local government with a dab of national and world politics and a little pop culture and maybe some real-life common sense. This is Perception is Reality. And this is Christopher H. Bilbrey. Oh my, there we go. I finally got the fade working. Hello everyone, as the intro says, I am your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey, and you are now listening to another episode of Perception is Reality. I want to thank you for joining me. I do want to say in advance, I apologize for the audio. I apologize for any hiccups that we're going to run into this evening as we will be running into many hiccups. There will be no editing in this episode as we will be recording this podcast in one live take. Fade out now. All right, see, so I apologize there. Basically, here's the situation, folks. We are recording this episode not in my regular studio at Ink Barrel Studios in Indiana. Rather, we are at the Southern Command in Houston, Texas. We are on the road for these next couple episodes, and I definitely didn't want to leave you guys out. So please bear with me as I'm starting to learn this new system. I'm kind of putting this together on equipment that is not mine, and so I'm trying to quickly get through equipment that I'm not exactly familiar with. However, that doesn't change anything that you guys have to do. You're still listening on whatever podcast hosting sites you generally use or the home link, perception.fireside.fm. I want to thank you for continuing to share these episodes in the podcast as you do. I continue to see the listener pool grow, and I want to thank each and every one of you for that. Continue to let people know they can find us on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Radio Public, TuneIn, as well as the home link of perception.fireside.fm. Welcome to this 66th episode of the show. As I said, it's going to (laughs) be a little bit different for this episode and the next episode as we are recording in a different room, as you can hear. The audio is a little bit different. I'm using a little bit different mic setup, and I'm in a room that has just absolutely no acoustic treatment whatsoever, so I apologize in advance for that. However, as they say, the show must go on. So, here we are. We are actually recording this episode on Saturday, December 21st, 2000. 19. I'm recording this from Houston, Texas, where it is a balmy 55 degrees right now. I actually thought I was coming down here to enjoy the warm weather and get out of the cold for a little bit, but as I was coming down here, I was made aware of the fact that it's going to be cold. The weather is going to get a little bit better as we go along, so I feel as though I'll have a little bit of a vacation, but that's not actually why we're down here. We're not here for a vacation. I'm actually down here to help my brother and his wife move. They're moving into a new home, and uh, so we're going to take in some of the sights. While I'm down here, I'm actually going to cut over to Dallas for a little bit of time and spend some time around the Grassy Knoll and the Texas Book Depository, see where the John F. Kennedy assassination occurred. And I'll be taking some great pictures and video of all of that, along with 
other pictures of the trip down here to Texas. And you can find all of that on my social media at Christopher H. Bilbrey on Facebook, Christopher with a K, or by going to facebook.com backslash Bilbrey318. Okay, so for this 66th episode of the show, I'll be honest, I didn't have a whole lot prepared because we've been traveling and then we got here and we've been doing things down here. And so for this episode, I just plan to kind of look at some questions that I have, reference what's going on in Winchester, reference what's going on in Muncie, because 2020 will be here in just a matter of days. And even though we know who won the election, we know who will be running the city, we know who will be representing us on the councils, there are still quite a bit of questions And transparency seems to be an issue in a lot of different areas with what 2020 is going to look like in these administrations that will be taking over in just a matter of days. So I've been hearing from a lot of you that you have a lot of questions and a lot of concern, as do I. So we're going to take a look at some of those in this 66th episode of Perception is Reality that I'm calling Questions on the Road. So even though this is generally looked at as the slow time of the year, the city governments are shut down and not really in office and there's not a whole lot going on, of course that's not what's really happening. We all know that there's a lot going on and there's a lot up in the air. We're just two weeks out from the new administrations taking over in Indiana, in the municipalities, the cities, and the towns. We have some swearing-in ceremonies that will be occurring in the next week after the holiday, basically. And we have appointments that are being made and announcements of appointments that are being made. And, of course, we've had some confusion going on as to who's going to be doing what jobs. I know in Winchester, the new mayor has made no announcements as far as I can tell. I haven't even heard from him. I've not seen any posts from him. I've not seen anything from him in the newspaper And the last thing that I heard was he was keeping everyone in place from this current administration. So the new mayor will be taking over on the 1st of January, basically, being sworn in sometime either beforehand or on the 1st. And he'll be taking the show over. And everyone who will be leading up his departments will be from this current administration. Now, the question that I have for Mayor-elect McCoy, who will be on the first Mayor Bob McCoy, still remains the same. Will you be a full-time mayor of a city that requires a full-time mayor? The reason I ask that is our current mayor, at the time of this recording, Sean Byram, has not been a full-time mayor since, honestly, the springtime of 2018. I say that because as far back as the spring of 2018, he was running a campaign to become state representative. So he wasn't really fulfilling the requirements that the city needed. He was more concerned about his role as candidate for state representative of District 33, which, thank God, we soundly defeated him for, which then caused him to basically retract back in upon himself in November of 2018. So from November until January of the 18 going into January 2019, 
We really didn't have him for those few months as we were through the holidays. And he made the decision, wisely, not to run for re-election as mayor of Winchester. But then, almost immediately, after doing that, he kind of, again, retracted in upon himself. He wasn't seen in and around the city. He wasn't seen in the mayor's office. He was not wanting to hold city council meetings, as we normally have two a month in the city of Winchester. And he almost instantly started looking for jobs as a teacher, because that's his profession outside of politics, and was actually offered a teacher's position that then was retracted, and so he didn't take that job as teacher. But then ultimately... In August of 2019, he took a job as a teacher 15 minutes outside the city limits of Winchester, which puts him in a classroom Monday through Friday, five days a week, outside the city limits of Winchester, not answering calls, not helping businesses, not looking for economic development, not being the leader that the city wants or needs or deserves. And so throughout this last year's election cycle, as we were looking at either Republican Bob McCoy, who is or was a Randolph County councilman, and Bill Richmond, the Democrat candidate, who had been a reporter for the Winchester News Gazette, then lost that job or walked away from that job, one or the other. And now I believe that he just does the reporting for a local radio station. I'm not really sure what else he does. And I was really torn between these candidates. I honestly thought that it was a choice of worse or worst. Uh, I don't really know how else to say that. I mean, they were both bad choices. In the end, in the last couple days of September and October, just, you know, basically a month before the election, I made the decision that I would be backing Democrat candidate Bill Richmond, and that's who I went with. Now, I really never spoke to either one of these gentlemen. We had a candidate's forum where Bob McCoy told me that he would take my questions by email, and then two days later he made a post via his social media stating he would not answer my questions. So he's going to be taking over, and I still don't know if he's going to be stepping into the role of mayor with the mentality that he can continue his current full-time job, or if he's going to be taking on the role of mayor in a full-time capacity. So there are a lot of questions that are still left to be answered in Winchester, and we're basically going to have to get to January 2020 before we're going to get answers. Skip over to Union City, we still have a lot of unanswered questions in Union City. I know I haven't said anything about Union City in just a moment, but I've basically been waiting on records request. While I was driving to Texas, I actually got response from the clerk's office that my record request is complete and that they have them and they are ready to be picked up. They're going to cost fifty. $4, so I believe that's like 5,000-some pages they have for me. That is a common technique when somebody wants to try to just dump a whole lot of information on you to attempt to, uh, you know, overwork you so you can't find what it is that you're actually looking for. But I told her, hey, go ahead, hold those for me. And as soon as I get back up to Indiana, I will be purchasing those from you. So we have a lot of unanswered questions there. As of this recording, 
I'm not certain if Rob Likens has repaid the money to the city of Union City that he owes. Does anybody know? Does anybody know if Mr. Likens has paid the money back that he set in the council meeting in the first part of December and said that he would be paying back? Will he be paying that back? I certainly don't know. Do any of you? We will be keeping an eye on that. And there they will be having a new mayor and a few new council members coming aboard. But I'm, I'm torn as to what I think is going to happen there. I'm hearing some people say that the new mayor will be a breath of fresh air. And I'm hearing some say the new mayor is more or less a hand-picked successor for the current mayor, Brian Conklin. I just honestly don't know. We will have to see. In Muncie, I'll be honest, man. I really don't know what's going on in Muncie. I know I'm going to get some hate for saying this, but I'm still extremely hopeful. I'm still extremely supportive of the new mayor in Muncie. I'm very hopeful. I'm very optimistic that change has to come. But honestly, I just feel rather meh because I don't know. I feel like, and I we're running this live with one take, so I apologize because there's going to be dead air here. I'm, I'm going to be thinking about the appointments. Let's see, let's see. God, I'm so sorry about this. Generally, I would have cut this and I would have come back and said, okay, this is how many appointments he has and you would have never known this and I would have known. Okay, let's do it this way. So we know beyond the police department, the fire department, the city attorneys, the park board, the board of works, the building commissioner, there are a lot of other appointments that the mayor of Muncie or the mayor of any community has to make. I don't know of a time that a mayor hasn't had a plan for who he was going to name by January 1st. Now, we're aware that Mayor-elect Dan Reidenauer has said there is a chance he won't have all appointments made by January 1st. And that's puzzling to me. Now, I understand you want the best people available, and that might take time, but man, what could be going on? And we've already talked about the appointments on the police department, but let's look at it like this. Mayor-elect Dan Reidenauer has named Nate Sloan as chief of the Muncie City Police Department and Melissa Pease as deputy chief of the Muncie City Police Department. Now... I will go in reverse order. Melissa Pease, as I have said, is a wonderful pick. She has been on the track to be leadership in a deputy chief or chief role since she's been in law enforcement. So this is no surprise. And I think that she's an all right pick. I think that's great. And I give him a round of applause for that. However... And I say this with all due respect to Nate. Nate Sloan is a political appointment. I mean, he was front and center on the Ridenauer campaign. At all the events and all of the pictures, he was a major, major campaign supporter. Now, I don't know if they're going to come back and say that he wasn't actually on the campaign team, team but he was at all of the events, he was in a lot of pictures, and he worked his butt off, which there's nothing wrong with that. That's what happens. I've done that all of my life. But now there's also a question of donation. Now, I have to say for the record, I have not and do not currently, as I stand here in Texas, have the April and October financial reports for Dan Ridenauer. I will have to get those. And I'll have to compare the amount of money that Nate Sloan, Nate Sloan's family, Nate Sloan's extended family 
has donated to Dan. Because I'm going to be honest. That has been a question. It has been a yeah, a topic of conversation that has made itself known to me through several different avenues. And so that is something that I will be looking at. It's something that I'm concerned about. And it's something that we should all be concerned about. Because let's be really honest. Everyone is completely and absolutely aware of the mess that the Muncie City Police Department has become. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. There are a ton of great men and women on the police department. But there are a ton of not-so-great men and women on the police department. And the Muncie City Police Department needs a complete overhaul in how punishment is dealt with within the ranks, how their officers behave, how their officers interact on a political level, which means they should interact 0%. They should never take sides politically. Well, who they want to represent in their own time is fine. But we should never be in a position where men in uniforms with badges and guns are considered a quote-unquote war team for a politician. And that's been said in this last year. We should not have officers who have FBI investigations open on them for police brutality, for corruption. We have a serious, serious issue currently on hand with those wearing the uniform and those that are supposed to be not corruptible, those that are supposed to be people that you can count on in the worst moments of your life. And right now, I have to be honest, and I'm speaking for a lot of people when I say this, there is serious question about the men and women on the Muncie Police Department because of the action of a few, and that sucks that that happens. But policing is a profession where a few bad apples do spoil not only the bunch, but the whole truckload, the whole organization, the whole apple orchard needs to be firebombed out and grown back with brand new fresh trees so that the clean apples can grow and that the police department can flourish once again because MPD has been a wonderful organization and it will be again but there are seriously a lot of people that wonder if it's actually going to be under Nate Sloan I guess time will tell I have a little bit of question with that I know that Officer Sergeant Sloan, Chief Sloan, whatever you want to call him. I know that there have been some issues with him in reference to the federal lawsuit that I have against the city. He's not a named defendant, but I can absolutely say that he would be a witness in that case. I know that there are some other individuals who have had issues with him. And I'm pretty sure that there have been some complaints filed on him by some, you know, what I would call upstanding citizens of the community. And so it'll be interesting when I look into that further what that, what that shows us. So that's questionable. Now, as far as Mayor Reidenauer's choice of the legal team, Beasley Gilkinson, I have nothing bad to say. Beasley Gilkinson is a wonderful law firm. They handle all sorts of different cases. They handle all sorts of different types of law. They have been municipal attorneys in the past, and they are a wonderful choice. So there, he's two for three. So, you know, that's not bad. 
Then we look to the fire department. And I'll say this. I don't really have a dog in the fight with the fire department. I have a dog in the fight with the police department. I've said since July that it shouldn't be a couple people because there were rumors going around that it was going to be Gary Venata. There were rumors going around that it was going to be Justin Peters. There were rumors going around that Justin Peters or his wife, Amy Kessler, could either be chief one or the other or deputy chief one or the other, and Amy Kessler, Justin Peters would have been a horrible choice. Gary Venata is someone I've always liked and I've always respected. He's a sergeant. He spent most of his career in the traffic unit. And although I think he is a wonderful person, I think he's taken issue with me, with my stance in the corruption in the last year. So we have been at odds. But I just feel that the fact that he has spent most of his time in the traffic unit and hasn't really bounced around in the other units within the police department just make him someone that I wouldn't say would be a good fit. And that's just my personal opinion. I don't have anything wrong with him, and I don't think that he is a corrupt individual. I think he is a good cop. I just think that he needs a little bit more time. But then I also said that Nate Sloan was one that shouldn't be named. And I said that as far back as July. So I kind of had a dog in that fight. But when you're talking about the fire department, yeah, I had a guy that I was backing, but, you know, I don't really have a say. I don't know enough about fire department regulations and who does what, when, and where. So although I was pulling for Dan Burford, I really didn't have much of a thought or a say about anyone else. I had a couple people that I didn't want to be chief, but I really didn't make that known, so I'm just going to keep those to myself. But I will say that Mayor-elect Reidenauer picking Dave Miller for the chief of the fire department and Al Richards for the deputy chief has been a positive and a negative. I have heard a lot of people say that Al Richards should have been the chief. I've also heard a lot of people say that he wouldn't have taken the chief position, that he did not want to be the top of the food chain for the fire department. So I've heard a lot of people say that they feel that the fire department is going to be in good hands because Al Richards will lead from the 102 position. And that may or may not be true. I don't know. We will have to see. Time will tell. I have had a lot of people say that Dave Miller might not have been the best choice. I honestly don't know enough to make a comment one way or another. So I will leave that there until I have looked further into it. I will say that I've not heard anything negative as far as Al Richards so as far as Al being the deputy chief, everyone seems to be happy, and I think that that will help the fire department one way or another. Moving on from there, let's talk about the Board of Works. In the state of Indiana, obviously the city council is the fiscal body, or that's one of their roles. But besides the city council setting the budget, and dealing with financial responsibility. The Board of Works is a board of either three or five individuals that are appointed to that board by the mayor. So the mayor makes those appointments. And so basically the Board of Works is responsible for oversight of fund appropriations that are set up by the council. So the council makes the budget, and then how that money is spent. So say, for example, you're going to do some sidewalk repair and you have five companies that say they want to do that repair. How is that determined? Well, a bid process is set forth and the companies enter that bid process and then 
under the laws governed by the state of Indiana, the Board of Works opens those bids and they select the company that fits the requirements and the needs of that city. So by law, the Board of Works is responsible for oversight of fund appropriation for all matters related to city resources. The Board of Public Works and Safety has the charge of all property belonging to the city except where the custody of the property is by law or code placed under different control. And so different Board of Works or different Boards of Works and Public Safety in different communities might meet different times. They might meet once a month. They might meet weekly. Some places they might meet a couple times a week. But speaking, for example, in Muncie, which is where we're talking about, they meet every Wednesday, or under this administration they do. I don't know what's going to happen moving forward to 2020. But that is a pretty important board. Once you get past the elected officials, you know, the mayor, the council, the judge, the clerk, and once you get past the department heads, the police chief, the fire chief, the deputy chiefs of those departments, and personnel head, and the rest of those department heads, the Board of Works is a pretty important board. Those three members, and the board is made up of, like I said, three members. The mayor can appoint three or five. Most places that I'm aware of around East Central Indiana is a three-member board. I don't know if I know of a five-member board. Maybe Indianapolis has a five-member board. I'm not really sure. Theirs might be bigger even. They might be seven or nine. I'm not really sure, but the Board of Works for the city of Muncie is a three-member board. And those three members are extremely important. The Board of Works deals with projects and throughout the year deal with millions and millions of dollars in city funds as it relates to different projects getting done. So it's a pretty important Board, it's a pretty important position, and it's something that the citizens really need to be aware of and to have an understanding of. I mean, the Board of Works, in my opinion, is almost as important as what's going on with the city council. It's a board that you should absolutely pay attention to. And I want to say... This is a place where I feel as though Mayor-elect Reidenauer has really just screwed it up. And I apologize, all of you fans of Dan, Dan, yourself, I apologize. If you're listening to this, I just have to tell you how I feel. Dan has named Linda Gregory to the board, okay? Linda Gregory is currently... As of the date of this recording, a current city councilor in Muncie. She did not win re-election. She lost. She's one that will be leaving on December 31st at midnight. Will be her last day as city council. She has been on the city council for uh, 11 or 12 years And before that, she attended lots of city council meetings. She is seen as the sage of the council, and she has a lot of understanding of what they can and can't do. Yet, she appears to have some issues with socioeconomic stature and racial issue. If you are not familiar with... Linda. Linda is the city councilor who back in September made a racial comment referring to people in a park in Muncie, and it's a predominantly black park where it's predominantly in the middle of a black neighborhood, and a lot of members of the black community go there to play and, and, and be outside, play basketball, and it's a wonderful thing to see. And long, long ago, there were animals in the park, peacocks and monkeys and a bear. 
and that's just part of Muncie history. And she made a comment about there being monkeys in the park at one point, and she didn't know if there were still monkeys in the park, and said something to the effect of, I don't know if there are still monkeys there, but there may be, which just did not sit well with many, many people. Definitely didn't sit well with me, and I know a lot of members of the black clergy were not happy with what was happening, and that was addressed in October. The council actually took up the cause, and in October, they decided to censure Linda Gregory for the following year if she won. So basically, they voted and it passed, meaning had Linda Gregory won in the November 2019 election, and had she been on the council for 2020, 2021, 2022, and 2023, she would not have been allowed to have been on any boards or had any say in any of that. And all of that, plus I think a little bit of everything else that was occurring, caused this stronghold Democrat candidate to lose the election. So now in Dan's time of naming his different department heads and boards, he decides to pick Linda Gregory to be on the board of works. And you have a few people saying, oh, that's a wonderful solution. That's a wonderful pick. She'll be a great member because of her financial knowledge and this and that. Well, first and foremost, nothing that Linda has done or said has impressed me much. I would put my knowledge and understanding of the laws of local government up there with hers. Okay, I know that there are going to be a few that's going to scoff at that, but you know, it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist. It doesn't take someone that's 60 years old. It doesn't take somebody who... Linda is not better than me. I'm not better than Linda, but I wouldn't say that Linda's better than me. I'm just saying, you know, anyone could easily have done the job. I'm not understanding why Republican mayor-elect Dan Reidenauer has selected this specific Democrat... Linda Gregory, to show that he's willing to work across party lines by picking Linda to be on the board of works. It's just something that seems to be absent-minded, and it seems to be as though he's doing this to please some of his supporters because they felt badly that Linda was censured and Linda went out the way that she went out. I'm going to be perfectly honest. I've said this to Dan Reidenauer, and I'm going to say it right now again. So I'm not talking behind his back because I'm saying it on recording that all of you are going to hear, plus I have said this to Dan. I do not believe that Dan Reidenauer would ever purposefully hurt the city. I am worried because I believe Dan Reidenauer to be a wonderful man. I believe that he's kind. I believe that he's caring. I believe that he's gracious. I believe that he's nice. I believe that he's almost maybe too nice. I believe that he might have a hard time saying no, not to people that he necessarily needs to say no to, but might be having a hard time saying no to those around him. Dan Reidenauer has a 15 or 16 or 56,000 member transition team, which I'm not really understanding. And I feel as though it's because all of these people have come to him wanting to help and he's just not been able to turn them away. First of all, you don't need that many people to work through a transition team. Maybe if Dan was working on the transition team and getting these people that are wanting to be in city government all rounded up and interviewed instead of 
working the job at the bank until the 18th of December, maybe he wouldn't have needed all of these other people to be on the transition team doing a job that he might should have been doing starting from the day after he won the election. He's had a transition team doing his interviews and taking questions and running point for him. Meanwhile, he was working at the bank until just last week. And so now we're in a position where he's got a lot of people that are around him. And I told him I was concerned that some of the people around him have their own interests in mind and not his interest or not the city of Muncie's interest. And I told that to Dan, and so I'm not saying anything here out of school. So I'm really worried about that. I believe that Linda was a pick because there are people that are near and dear to Dan that really hate the way that Linda went out. Let me be very clear. Linda went out and her time in elected public office as a council member ended because of Linda's attitude, because of the way that Linda behaved, and because of her choices. Nobody did that to Linda. Linda did that to herself. Moving on from there, Dan also picked for the Board of Works Ted Baker. Now, Ted Baker is a Dan Reidenauer supporter. He is a local businessman that's bounced around from different business to different business. He is also a strong Republican, a failed Republican candidate. He's ran a time or two, losing any and all the times that he's ran, and is somebody that I just personally do not get along with. I think that Ted is... Uppity. I believe that Ted thinks that he's bigger and better than what he is, and I believe that Ted is definitely someone who has his own agenda and his own personal goals ahead of what might necessarily be good for Dan or might be good for the city of Muncie. Third, Dan Reidenauer picked Jerry Wise to head up the Board of Works. Jerry, I think, is a good pick. Jerry is somebody who has attended city council meetings. Jerry is someone, I believe, who has his eye on the ball. He is interested in what happens fiscally, and I believe that Jerry will do what's right. He is one vote of three, so it'll be interesting to see how Jerry, Ted, and Linda play off one another, but it is something that I am definitely interested in seeing how it works out and I'm concerned with, and I will be watching. But there are just a lot of questions. There are a lot of questions with the the picks and the departments that I've named through now, and there are also another whole host of other boards and department heads that have not been named. There's the Muncie Redevelopment Commission. There's the Street Department. There's the Muncie Park Board. There is the Building Commissioner. There's the Channel 60 Media Operations Director. These positions will need to be filled, and it will be interesting to see who fills them. I have been hearing that Mayor-elect Reidenauer has picked Mark Slusher to be the Channel 60 Media Operations Director. There have been no official announcements about Mark Slusher, but I have heard from several that Mark Slusher is stating to folks that he has been appointed by Dan to fill that role. I have a sneaking suspicion of who will be the Muncie Building Commissioner, and it will be interesting to see how this is handled when and if that is announced. It will have to be announced at some point, and it will be interesting. And I will definitely have my eye on the building commissioner. But here we are, two weeks out from January 1st, and there are still a lot of questions. What role will Dave Smith be playing in the city of Muncie? Dave Smith is a former Democrat candidate for mayor. 
He was beat in the primary by Terry Whit Bailey and almost instantly jumped over to the Republican candidate Dan Reidenauer's team. Now, it's important to note that he is still a Democrat. I don't believe that he has changed his party affiliation. I believe that he is absolutely still a Democrat. But it will be interesting to see what role he'll play. Dan has already said in a prior press release that Dave has a job in the city administration, but it's just not announced. Dan will, I believe, next year be filling a deputy mayor spot. That spot is on the books for the city of Muncie. It is a position that is created, the deputy mayor position. However, it is currently not funded. It went unfunded during Mayor Sharon McShirley's term. She had a deputy mayor, and then the city council no longer funded that role. And, of course, Mayor Dennis Tyler, in his eight years in office as mayor, did not have a deputy mayor. And Dan Reidenauer, during his interview with me, talked about the deputy mayor position. I've talked to other people about the deputy mayor position. And I believe that we will see this position filled again in the city of Muncie. Some are speculating that Dave might fill that role. But what's he going to do for the next year until that is funded. And we'll have to see. Maybe the city council won't even fund it. This is what I'm talking about. This goes to show leadership. I'm not cracking on Dan, on Dan's style, on what Dan will do as a mayor. I'm just saying. And I'm not the only one saying it. And there are a lot of people waiting for answers. We just kind of felt, I think... That the whole transparency and accountability thing meant we wouldn't be sitting here come December 21st wondering what's going to happen with the city in just two weeks. I guess I kind of thought that with everything going on and with the promise of transparency and accountability that we would get that transparency and accountability starting on November 7th, 2019. As I've said since the John Hampton fiasco, January 1st, 2019 is just an arbitrary date. No reason to wait until January 1st. If you ran on transparency and accountability, let us see it. No one's giving you a hard time. No one is questioning you. Let us see that what we were promised is what we got. But there's more questions even than in Muncie. There's questions in Anderson. There's questions in Indianapolis. And then, of course, once we kick into January we start the election cycle up for president, for state offices, and for county offices. So it's a kind of a slow time of year because of the holidays, Christmas being in the next week, and then the week following being New Year's. But that doesn't mean things have slowed down. We still have a lot going on. We have a lot that we're working on, and I apologize again for the quality of this recording. I apologize for the slapdash nature of this episode, but I just kind of wanted to take a second and talk with you all about the serious questions that we still have facing us as citizens of communities who are looking towards 2020 to be the year of hope, the new decade, the new four-year term of our municipal government, and the new year. And so there are still a lot of questions, and there's still a lot of concerns. So I wanted to take this time to let you know, yeah, I'm hearing from you citizens. I'm hearing the concerns that you guys have. I have some of those same concerns 
And I will be here asking those questions even when I'm on the road. I hope that you continue sharing the podcast as a whole. Remind your friends, your family, your coworkers. Hey, have you listened to Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey? I'm hearing from people on a daily basis that have never been involved before, that have never followed politics on the national, state, or local level, that have said, hey, I've started getting interested. I've actually started paying attention to national politics because you've been talking about local politics. I voted for the first time in this primary. I voted for the first time in the November election. I'm starting to go to meetings in my communities. That makes it all worthwhile. So continue to help me grow the listener base, the listener pool, the people that we can connect with, people that we can debate with and agree with and disagree with, because that's what betters government. And remember, that's the whole goal, bettering government through citizen involvement. So continue sharing the podcast as a whole. Continue spreading the episode information. Listen to the episode information and then share it on your social media. Spread it by word of mouth to your friends and your family and your coworkers. Let people know where they can come to feel as though they matter and that their concerns will be heard and that there will be someone to help them speak out. Until next time, please continue to be safe, be active, ask questions, get involved, and Please be kind to one another, whether you agree or disagree. This is the holiday season, and remember that Christ is the reason for the season, and we all need to keep that in mind. And ladies and gentlemen, that's where we're going to leave it. Coming to you all the way from the Southern Command in Houston, Texas, from the humble abode of the DeFries residence, I want to say thank you for giving me a little bit of your time and listening to this episode. Please remember to share it with everyone that you know. Take care, God bless, be safe, and I'll look forward to talking to you again real soon. Perception, Perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. You've been listening to Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. Bilbrey. Tune in, like, and subscribe at perception.fireside.fm. Hook up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Bilbrey318. And on Twitter at PISRBilbrey. Email khbilbrey at gmail.com. Or get off your butt and call the show at 765 546 9796. Till next time, remember perception, perception. Is, is reality. Reality. reality.